Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right. Welcome back, everybody. As we can see, and as we know, the devil is trying to mess with the connection. And uh, you know what? When it's interesting when that happened, because when we understand the times that we are living in and stuff like that happens, it's just, you know how it can be frustrating when stuff gets interrupted and we're trying to just preach the gospel. And it's like, man, it's like, why is the devil even here? Why is he even bothering us? You know, but it gives us a real understanding more of an understanding of the times that we are living in. So it's like, I hope that we can see this is like when the devil does mess with stuff and it's just like, man, it is so frustrating as to, you know, him doing that and everything. I hope it gives us a good look of the evil, the real evil that's in this world and why things are happening the way they are happening, why things are ramping up and why everything is just starting to get worse and worse. Cause it's like, you know, none of, none of this stuff that, you know, is happening around us makes sense at all as to why all this stuff is taking place you know why we got to be quarantined why we got to stay at home why is the media propagating this every other minute so i hope it gives us a real understanding of the times that we are living in and uh and i want to give the title one more time for anyone who missed it it's how long halt ye between two opinions so with that you know since we got a little bit of a late start i'm going to read uh, a couple of scriptures here, and we're going to go to First Kings chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. These are going to be the starting verses for this teaching today. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said unto the people, I even I only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. So if we hear what Elijah just said to the people, it's like, hey, if you if you believe in God, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you believe that he died on the cross for your sins. I mean, of course, this is before Jesus Christ, you know, came to the earth and he died. But the example for our lives in reading this is that if we believe everything that Jesus Christ has done for us, if we believe he has cleaned up our life and we believe in his promises and everything that he has said, then let's follow Jesus Christ. But if you don't believe that and you're still got some other things in your life that you've got going on or you've got another God that you're trying to follow as well, then go and follow that God. But what he's saying is like, man, we can't serve. Jesus over here and then another God over here. We got to have one or the other. And then he's saying, he's like, you know, I'm the only prophet left alone who's believing in God. But the, the prophets of Baal are 450 men. So if we look at that, too, in, in a greater sense, if we bring it into today's times, if you notice that the ministry and the churches out there who are truly preaching the gospel, who are truly standing on the word of God, you maybe have 
40, 50, maybe 100 true believers that are actually following the word of God because that pastor will not compromise. You know, people may come to him and say, oh, you know, well, we could give you more money and, you know, you could actually expound upon the building you have or you could expound upon the ministry you have uh, with just, you know, a few extra thousand dollars. You know, wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't you like to uh, have a greater ministry? Wouldn't you have wouldn't you like to have a greater outreach program? And you could do that with with a few extra thousand dollars uh, in your pocket to do so. And uh, but they say no, because what happens is, you know, we have to understand that if anyone ever comes to us via government or whoever offering us money and it wasn't of Jesus Christ, there's always something we got to give up to do so. And if we don't understand that, then we really have some blinders on to to uh, to what is happening with that. Because many pastors have compromised many pastors, because when that happens, when they come to you with this money, what happens is that you have to take something out of the scripture that is true for people's lives. You have to remove it from being taught. You have to remove it from being preached. And unfortunately, some pastors have done that. Now, they have greater congregations. Of course they do, because, you know, they're liked. And, oh, this pastor, he preaches such a nice message and he's such a nice person. And he has such a, a nice church and, you know, everything is just so nice. And but what happens is that he's no longer preaching repentance of sin. He's no longer preaching. If you live a homosexual homosexual lifestyle, you're going to hell. He's no longer preaching. If you don't get right with Jesus Christ, repent of your sins and have a forgiving relationship with him, you're going to end up in hell in the lake of fire forever. So there's always some sort of compromise with that. And that is what exactly Elijah here is saying with these prophets of Baal, because they worshiped another God and they had so many people that were following after that. And he said, I was left alone. I was the only one who was preaching the truth. I was the only one that was willing to stand up against these false prophets. And what happened when that when when he did so? Because he would not halt between two opinions, because he would not just go the way of what the people wanted, those prophets were taken out, you know, and their, their false God was, you know, he was made fun of because he stood on Jesus Christ. He stood on God and God was with him. And those prophets were destroyed. All of them were destroyed. And, you know, in our own lifetime, and we're going to get into the lesson here in a second, in our own lifetime, you know, and I've dealt with this too, is, uh, we're going along in our Christian walk and we're just getting so strong with the Lord and everything is just going great. Everything is going fine and dandy. He's making us stronger. Um, you know, we've been fasting more. We've been praying more. You know, we're getting rid of idols. Everything is just wonderful. We're getting, you know, uh, stronger in our prayer life. We just feel the fire of the Holy Spirit that's coming upon us. And all of a sudden, what happens? Something, something comes up in our life, unexpected, almost like that. Something comes up and whether it, it be financial reasons, whether it be, you know, all of a sudden you're starting to have trouble with your spouse, your kids are acting crazy. A family members are just, you know, uh, they're getting all up in arms about something. And it's just like, man, what happened? Why is it that I was really going? I was really going good for a while and everything was going great. And I was just getting on fire. And then all of a sudden everything just starts coming in at once. And what is happening here is that. The Lord is taking us greater and stronger 
in our spiritual walk. And when that happens, things are going to, you know, things are going to come our way. We're going to feel pushback from the devil when that happens because our faith has to be constantly tested. And this is something we're all going to experience. If we're not experiencing right now, trust me, it is going to happen. You know, I don't want us to think we're getting all high and mighty on the horse and that this is not going to happen to us. You know, I'm expecting that this is going to happen to me. You know, we have to stay on the ready for these attacks to happen. But when they do, that's pushback from the devil. It's pushback from the devil because you're getting greater in the Lord. You're getting stronger in the Lord and you're fighting back with the force of Jesus Christ. And whatever it takes, we have to stand with the Lord because the devil, he's going to try and see, are you serious about this? Are you really serious about your walk with the Lord? How serious are you about it? You know, and he may say that a thousand million times in your ear, like, oh, yeah, how serious are you really about the Lord? Are you willing to walk with him no matter what? And so that's going to happen. But I tell you what. If we continue to stay strong in the Lord, if we continue to pray, if we continue to fast, if we continue to call and seek the Lord, no matter what happens. I mean, y'all got to think about we all got to think about this here. We're getting ready to come into some really trying times for the Christians. I hope we realize that. I hope we realize that when it comes down to people having to take this mark of the beast, it's not going to be just some little thing that you're going to have to just slap on your hand and go about your marriage. No, the devil hates Jesus Christ so much. My thoughts are it is going to be a public display that you hate Jesus Christ. You're going to have to announce it in front of a whole congregation of people. It's not going to be just some little thing, secretive thing that you do. No, it's going to be in front of everyone. And I was talking to a brother about this yesterday. It's just like, you know, when Peter denied Jesus Christ, he didn't deny him in a corner in a little alley by himself somewhere. No, it was in front of other people. Now, mind you, this is before Peter had the Holy Spirit. And he was able to repent and take it back. But we are living in different times than than Peter did. You know, this is now we have the Holy Spirit. We can be set free. We know the truth is right in front of us. It's like, if man, if we've known the truth, the truth, as long as we have. And yet we still got them blinders on to think. You know, oh, I won't do this or it'll be this easy or whatever. No, no, no. That That's not how it's going to be. If, if Peter denied Jesus Christ in front of people, then guess what? When it comes to if we truly believe in Jesus Christ or not, I guarantee you it's going to be the same thing. We're going to be denying it or accepting or following Jesus Christ in front of people. That's how bad it, it might get. So in our minds, we have to sell it. Settle it in our minds now. Who are we going to follow? Is it going to be Jesus Christ, the true Jesus Christ, the one that died on the cross for our sins? Or is it going to be the spirit of Antichrist? You know, and some people, unfortunately, have already gone the way of spirit of Antichrist. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, so with that, let's go to 2 Kings 17 and verse 1. 2 Kings. No, it's off to the side. Is it messing up? Okay. Okay. Second Kings 17 and 24. And yeah, if you guys have any problems, uh, please let us know. We know that the devil's trying to attack, you know, these Bible studies and everything. Pray against all demonic attacks and everything that are trying to come against the word getting out. All right. Second Kings 17, and we're going to start verse 24. And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Putha and from Ava and from Hamath and from Sepharvim. 
Sepharvium, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. And so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there that they feared not the Lord. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which slew some of them. Wherefore they spake to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations which thou hast removed and placed in, in the cities of Samaria know not the manner of the God of the land. Therefore he hath sent lions among them, and, behold, they slay them, because they know not the manner of the God of the land. Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Carry thither one of the priests whom you brought from thence, and let him go and dwell there, and let him teach them the manner of the God of the land. Then one of the priests whom they carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. So let's look at this before we continue real quick. So the king of Assyria went and took all the children that were dwelling in Samaria, took them out and brought in people into Samaria that did not believe in God. They did not believe in the, the laws and the statutes and everything that had God done had done for the children of Israel, and he brought them in. And so when that happened, the Lord brought in some lions and killed some of them. It didn't say he killed all of them, he killed some of them. And so the people go and they talk to the king of Assyria and say, hey, you know, these people don't know who God is. And so he's killing them. These were heathen people anyways. So let's have an understanding of this. These were heathen people. These were people that followed after other gods and they did not follow after the one true God. So these people come unto him and saying, you know, what, what will you do about this? And what does he do? He says, okay, well, let's go get one of the priests and have him go in and have him teach them, you know. Now, if we bring that a little into our modern day times of what he's saying here is that he's not saying a priest of God or anything like that. He's saying just take a priest and go teach them. So it doesn't sound like he has got any sincerity of heart about these people actually knowing who God is. And unfortunately, that can happen in a lot of churches today. We can say, I know it's been brought up before. Derek has mentioned this before. It's that you can say God all you want to, but when it comes to the name of Jesus Christ, that does something totally different to people because there are many gods today. So you can go to a church and you can sit there and this, this preacher can talk about God all day, you know, the God of this or the God of that and whatnot and not feel a single conviction about the life that you are leaving because this preacher is not going to you know show you what jesus christ has actually done for you on the cross so that's what you know the king of assyria wanted he wasn't truly serious about these people actually knowing who god was he just wanted some preach some priest to go in and talk to them about a knowledge of who god is but not to the fact that they would actually follow them or follow him excuse me all right verse 29 Howbeit every nation made God gods of their own and put them in their houses on the high places which the Samaritans had made, every nation in their cities wherein they dwelt. And the men of Babylon made Sukath the Noth, and the men of Kuth made Nergal, and the men of Hamath made Ashima. So, real quick, let's look up 
who these different idols actually are here. Let's see here. One second. Okay, so Sukkoth Benoth is the daughter's booth, a Syrians or Babylon deity worshipped by the Babylons in Samaria. So that's a daughter's booth. You can kind of guess what that means. <laughs> All right, Kuth is crushing, a place uh, from which King Sargon of Assyria imported colonists in Israel, probably a location, okay? Uh, Nergal, okay, no, the men of Nergal is a hero, one of the chief deities of Assyria, a Babylon and Babylon of worshipped and worshipped by the men of Kuth. So, and then you got Ashima. Ashima is guiltiness. I will make desolate. So you've got the daughter's booth, you've got a hero, and then you've got guiltiness. So like they were, it was guilty. They knew it was guilty to actually worship these idols. All right, verse 31. And the Avites made Nepal, and that means the baker. And the Sephirvites burnt their children in the fire of Adrimelech and Anemelech. And Adrimelech means uh, honor of the king, uh, the son of the son and murderer of Sennacherib. Okay, and then the other one, sorry, was image of the king. So Anemelech was the image of the Assyrian king. So, but they burned their children on the hands of these gods, just like Moloch. So these were another kind of gods that they were doing that with. So it wasn't, as we can see here, it wasn't just Moloch that they were doing that with. You had Adrimelech and Anemelech. These were also two gods that they were doing this with. Okay, verse 32. So they feared the Lord and made unto themselves of the lowest of them priests of the high places, which sacrificed for them in the house of the high places. They feared the Lord and served their own gods after the manner of nations whom they carried away from thence. So as we can see here, as the scriptures are saying, they feared the Lord. And they also had these other gods. So in a sense, they were double-minded in what they were trying to do here. And also, it's saying they had the lowest of the priests that were making the sacrifices of them. So it's like, if you look at it in this sense, guys, when it says the lowest of the priests were making sacrifices for them, you know, we could even take that into our own personal lives and saying, when it comes to our time we spend with the Lord, you know, how much time do we actually give to the Lord? Now, I understand that during these days of quarantine and having to be at home, yes, we're drawing closer to the Lord and we're giving him more time than we did before. But even still, during that time, how much time are we giving to the Lord? Are we finding time to do so many other things? Um, right now we're in 2 Kings 17 in uh, verse uh, 32. Um, uh, Caitlin. 
So are we spending more time with the Lord right now? Or are we still finding time to do other things? Are we like what these people said here? And it's the lowest of the priests that are doing the sacrifice. Are we have that lowest of the priests? You're welcome. Do we have that lowest of the priests mentality in our own lives to where it's like, well, you know, I still got to do this and I still got to clean. And hey, look, I won't be honest with y'all. I am still guilty of that. Yes, I've been cleaning my place as well. But you know what? It is time that we give the Lord more time. Okay, we got to break free of that working every day mentality because I know that some people still have that mentality on us right now. We got to break free from that and say, you know, I've been home for this many days. You know, the Lord is so much more important because right now he's the one that's protecting us. We have to know this. The Lord Jesus is the one who's he's been protecting us from any kind of hurt, harm or danger that's you know been trying to come our way. So he deserves a lot more of our time than what we've been given him. And, you know, if it's like the lowest of the priests, the lowest of the priests means he wasn't even a high priest. He was like, I don't know, but he was a lower of the priest. So they weren't even serious about, you know, knowing who God is, because if they were, they wouldn't have tried to have just some lowest of the priests come and make sacrifices. No, they would have gotten the highest of the highest priests that the children of Israel had to come in because that's how serious they would have been about it. But we know that they weren't serious. Why weren't they serious? Because they wanted some knowledge of the God and they wanted their own God still. And that's why it's like, we've got to be so grateful when the Lord's telling us, I want you to get rid of this. I want you to get rid of that. Yes, get rid of this. I know you don't understand it, but you're going to get rid of that too. You know, and we just do it without thinking. Lord, I'm going to trust you in all things. I'm getting rid of all this stuff. Whatever soul tie it had to it, whatever things had to it, it's going, it's getting out. Now, are we going to face some pushback from the devil when that happens? Of course we are, because he's mad now that we're recognizing that in these times, him trying to dupe us, him trying to control us, him trying to do certain things in our life, after all these years of comfortability, they're going out the door. The Lord is using this time to clean his church. The Lord is using this time to purge his church. And that's how serious we have to be about. The Lord's doing the same thing for me. There's papers and a few other things I've been getting rid of. And it's like, have I felt the attacks? Yes, I have. But it's greater prayer time. We have got to be so clear. I mean, so, you know, steadfast and so assuredly about cleaning our places out, both physical and spiritual. We're trying to kick the devil out. That's what it is. And he doesn't like that. He doesn't like the fact that, yes, we got serious about our lives with Jesus Christ some years ago. And but the thing is, is that maybe during that time we held on to a few things that, you know, maybe we didn't use. Maybe they were just collecting dust and we didn't even think about it. It's like, man, I'm not using it. It's just sitting there. You know, I'm not even tempted to go and, and turn it on or, or whatever. It's just there. But it can still have a soul tied to it. It can still bring demonic you know, entities into your place and the devil can still work through those objects. Even if they are collecting dust, he can still get a stronghold. That's what happened to me the other day on Friday. I got a TV, had a TV and a DVD player just sitting there collecting dust for a few years now. And it was like the Lord and me, and me and the TV were just, we were having a stare down contest. You know, and the Lord was convicting me of, uh, it's time for that to go. Yeah, I know you have not used it, but it's time for it to go. And it was like, yes, Lord, it's getting out of here. And 
the thing is, is that some may ask, well, if you haven't been using it and it was just collecting dust, why didn't you get rid of it a few years ago? You know, well, because the devil was telling me, he was lying to me. Well, you might need it for some sort of, you know, documentary or something like that. When I watch everything on my tablet anyways. So it was like, that was the devil lying to me saying, oh, well, you might need it for something. Just hold on to it. You just, you might need it. And it was like, no, I don't need it. It's just collecting dust. It's just sitting there, an idol, basically, a shrine or something. And I wasn't using it. So it, it had to go. And did I feel an attack from that? Yes, I did. But I, I'm so glad that the Lord told me to get rid of it. And that's how it has to be. Yes, we are going to face some pushback when we get rid of these things. But it's time for us to really know it within our own hearts. Do we want you know, obviously we don't have a high priest as in the children of Israel did. Jesus Christ is our high priest. But do we want Jesus Christ, the high priest, to reign in our life? Or do we want some lowly knowledge that, yes, I know Jesus Christ. And, yes, I know he died on the cross for our sins. And, yes, I know all this stuff. And, yes, I spend time with him. And, yes, I read his word, you know, when I get a chance because things are so busy. You know, what do we really want? Because we can't have one or the other. Either we want him for real or we want some knowledge of him. All right. Verse 33. They feared the Lord and served their own gods after the manner of the nations whom they whom carried them away from thence. Unto this day, they do after former manners. They fear not the Lord, neither do they after their after their statutes or after their ordinances or after the law and commandments which the Lord commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel, with whom the Lord had made a covenant and charged them, saying, Ye shall not fear other gods, nor bow yourself to them, nor serve them, nor sacrifice to them. But the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt with great power and a stretched out arm, him shall ye fear, and him shall ye worship. And to him shall you do sacrifice and the statutes and the ordinances and the law and the commandment, which he wrote for you. Ye shall observe to do forevermore and ye shall not fear other gods. And the covenant that I have made with you, ye shall not forget. Neither shall ye fear other gods, but the Lord your God, ye shall fear and, and he shall deliver you out of the hands of your enemies. But how be it, they did not hearken, but they did after the former manner. So these nations feared the Lord and served their graven images, both their children and their children's children, as did their fathers. So they did unto, unto this day. So what we got to see here is that he's telling them, you know, this is what needs to happen. You know, don't he was trying to let them know you guys are going after other gods. You're not serving the Lord. This is what's truly in your heart to do. And he's telling them, hey, if you come away and if you don't serve these other gods and you give your life over to the one true God, he will protect you. If you do all that he has observed you to do, his command, His commandments, his laws, his statutes. And as we know today, it's the law of the spirit. But for them in their day, he was saying, if you follow after these things, that God will protect you everywhere you go. God is going to protect you. But they did not hearken unto his voice. And what happened? 
They serve these other gods. And it didn't just say that they serve these other gods. Okay, let's think about this. Because in verse 41, it says, their children and their children's children. So this was passed down through the lineage, y'all. This was passed down from children to grandchildren to great-grandchildren, so on and so forth, that they did these things. If we look at that and we bring if we bring that into modern day times, the same thing is happening in the United States. Okay? There was a time when people really got on their faces before the Lord in the United States. There were times that people pleaded, they got rid of stuff, they were hearing from the Lord. You know, you had great men of old that were preaching the gospel and the devil couldn't get a foothold. Even when he tried to get a foothold in certain times in, in our history, you still had strong men of God and strong ministries that were still praying against it. They were still preaching against it. So the devil could only get a foothold for a small amount of time and then he had to back out. So we've seen that in our history. Of course, we know and we're not going to get into it tonight about what you know, American history all is, but we still did at one point have some strong Christian pastors. We had some strong Christian congregations. We had some strong Christian homes, strong Christian families. We still had that at one point in our life in this nation that the devil couldn't really get much of an inroad like he wanted to get. But what has happened now? Because the church has fallen asleep, because the church has compromised, because the pastors have compromised. They went the way of Baal. They went after the ways of money. They went out of the, the after the ways of power. They went after the ways of being made known. You know, I can get on TV. I can actually be somebody, you know, and maybe the devil lied to them when he said that. He says, you know what? You come from a little podunk town of nowhere. And your family didn't have a whole lot. Your dad had to struggle his whole life to make ends meet. Your mom had to do whatever to make ends meet. You really didn't come from anywhere. And now you, you know, you had to struggle in Bible college and you're having to pay off your debt. You see how the devil comes in and he tries to get you at your heartstrings. You notice that that's what he's doing today. Every time you turn on the TV or you look at the news or whatever, somebody's, you know, something has happened to one of their children and someone else's fault. And we got to do this and you got to do that. And it's just, it's sickening how as Christians, we get involved in that mess. We get involved in that heartstring garbage that's being propagated on the TV. It's, it's, it, it, you know, makes my blood boil when I hear that because it's nonsense. We got to see past the physical into the spiritual and we will know what's happening. But we got to wake up to what's really going on around us. But there were times that the devil couldn't get an inroad. But what happened is, is that due to compromise in the church, okay, this is supposed to be the body of Christ. Due to compromise in that, when the pastor compromised, all of a sudden, now the congregation compromises. Okay, and the devil does this over the course of time. He knows that he can't bring in true compromise when the church is standing fully 100% on the word of God. So what he has to do is that he has to seep it through, through generation to generation to generation. And that is what has happened. Back in the, you know, in the mid, late 80s, around the early 90s is when real compromise took place in the church. Now, mind you, it started taking place years before that. But the church as a whole 
was still strong. It was still standing on the word of God. But over the course of time, the devil weakened the church. And when that happened, it became more of a community center. You know, I remember back in the 90s when I was going, you know, I was a teenager and I was going to church and everything. And and one church that we went to, we moved from uh, Goldsboro to Fayetteville, North Carolina. We went to this one church and it was the first time I was actually introduced to the NIV because I was raised on the King James Version and they were reading them like, what in the world is he reading from? You know, I had never heard of the NIV before then. And that was in 91, 92, somewhere along that lines. And I was just like, I'm looking around and I'm lost because I got a King James and everyone else is following along, but I'm lost. And even though I wasn't saved at that time as a 13 year old, I can, I can still, I remember that. And, and I knew that something was not right. I'm like, why is it that my version says this, but whatever he's saying, it's like it's backwards or something like that. And I couldn't understand it. And so I had to ask my folks afterwards. I'm like, you know, what was he reading from? You know, you know, that wasn't the King James or was it a different version? I, you know, I I couldn't follow along with him. And even as a 13 year old, I understood right then and there, even though. Trust me, I would go my own way. I'm not saying that I had it down pat right then, but I knew that there was something wrong. It only lasted for a minute, but I still knew that something was wrong. Something was off with that in that church with, you know, they were reading a different version. You know, I mean, we would go there for a time being and everything like that. And it wasn't necessarily a bad church. But what I'm saying is this is that the compromise started to seep in. The compromise started to seep in through churches. And that's how it happens. You know, uh, the kids were not wanting to read from the King James Bible anymore because they were like, oh, it's an old archaic version of the Bible. Let's go read this. Now, here's the thing. If someone is a first new Christian and they come a hold of a new, uh, an NIV and they start reading it, can the can the Lord use that person? Can the Lord use that version to help them? Yes, but we still have to know what the truth is in Scripture because that's what's trying to happen. Happen. The devil is trying to divide and conquer even through God's word. That's what he's trying to do. You notice we got a gajillion Bible versions out there today. Somebody's reading from this one and someone's reading from that one. And I'm not beating anyone for reading a different version. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that this is how the devil is trying to reign in confusion amongst the people, even through Bible versions. You got top scholars that are debating over Bible versions today. They're they're debating over the validity of what the scripture says. Why? Because they can't come to a civil agreement that God's word is God's word. It is his written word. And it's true from cover to cover. But the thing is, if you got half a million versions over here that says this and that one says this, how can we stand on the truth of Jesus Christ? We got to see what the devil's trying to do here. We got to see that you got top theologians, top Bible scholars that are trying to get rid of the Bible. They're trying to get rid of the book of Genesis. I mean, if they're getting rid of the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible and says, and God created And God is what they're trying to get rid of. If they're trying to get rid of that, what do you think they're going to try and do with the rest of the scriptures? They're trying to do it with all of it. They are trying to uh, downplay what the scripture says. They're trying to, you know, have us question in our mind. Did Jesus Christ actually say this? Did Jesus Christ actually command this? Did Jesus Christ actually do this? And that's why the battle today 
when it comes to people being saved, it's not just, you know, uh, telling people, yes, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Now we're having to even try and tell people that Jesus Christ, his very existence was true. We know that he died on the cross for our sins. We know that Jesus lived. But you see what happens when the devil gets a foothold in the church, when the devil gets a foothold in, in Bible colleges and stuff like that. The compromise comes in because people out on the street, you know, now it's like, well, I don't even I don't even believe that this Jesus even existed. I, you know, I don't even think he really lived and I don't think this and I don't think that. You know, what's interesting is that the first and second century historians, non-Christian historians, you know, they did not, you know, they hated Jesus Christ and they would persecute the Christians for believing in Jesus Christ at that day. But they could not debate his existence. Why? Because he just lived and his followers were still preaching and teaching his gospel. That was a few a couple of thousand years ago. But today, bring it forward in modern day times. Because the devil has been able to get a foothold in the church and in the validity of the scriptures and all of that. And mind you, you can have a pastor preaching from the King James Bible and he can still compromise. So I'm not saying that that can't happen. The devil got on the inside of the church. And yes, we've talked about this before, but that's the only way that the devil could actually conquer the church. He had to do it from the inside. You know, uh, the best way to conquer your enemy is not from the outside. It's from the inside. That's what spies are for. Spies will go in to another, you know, situation. Spies will go into another uh, country or something like that, and they will gather information. That's what spies do. They learn the language. They learn how to be whatever it is that they need to be in order to get inside to that other situation in order to get inside the, the secret service of that other nation. They play the part so well. It is so believable that the enemy thinks that that spy is one of their own. And so they bring that person in and they train these people for years. I mean, years upon years are they trained to do everything that they need to do to gather as much information as they can, even befriend their enemy. Understand what I'm saying here. They will befriend their enemy in order to get as close as they possibly can, to gather as much information as they possibly can to take back to the other side. You know, and so don't think that the devil's not been doing that because that's exactly what he's been doing. You know, some of our closest friends, and I'm not saying, mind you, I'm not saying that anyone's closest friend is the enemy. But if that closest friend does not know Jesus Christ the way you do, they can still be used by the devil. They can still be used by the enemy to get you off track in your spiritual walk. That is the devil's ace in the pocket. You know, in the last days, when it could be taking the mark of the beast, whatever situation is going to happen, the devil isn't going to use someone you hate to come at you. No, that would be too easy. He's going to use someone who is your closest friend, who is your closest family member, because that is how dirty the devil actually is. That's how much he hates Jesus Christ. And that's how much he hates anyone who resembles Jesus Christ. It will be someone who is the closest to us, whether that person will turn on us or where they're the ones that, you know, their heads get lopped off if we don't deny Jesus Christ. That's what the devil is going to do. So I'm just saying it's like we have to know for sure within our hearts that we trust and we know Jesus Christ and not compromise. 
All right, with that, let's go to Hosea, Hosea chapter 10 and verse 1. Amen, Coach P. Amen. That's right. All right. I'm in the wrong chapter. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 1. Israel is an empty vine. He bringeth forth fruit unto himself. According to the multitude of his fruit, he hath increased the altars. According to the goodness of his land, they have made goodly images. Their heart is divided. Now shall they be found faulty. He shall break down their altars. He shall spoil their images. So let's look here at verse 2 again. Their heart is divided. Now shall they be found faulty. He shall break down their altars. He shall spoil their images. Because their heart is divided, they can't decide one way or the other how they should live, how they should go, who they should follow. And, you know, that's is how it is for today. You know, not even in the church, but it, even in our own personal lives. If our heart is divided between something, if our heart is divided amongst, you know, uh, well, you know, I, I'm going to serve the Lord and I'm going to give him this time over here. And, uh, you know, if the Lord calls me to go and do something, then I'll go and do it unless or we put our own little stipulations on what we want call on what we want God to call us to do. We can't have any barriers. We can't put any borders. We can't put any conditions on what the Lord is calling us to do. Wherever he goes, wherever he wants us to do, that's what it has to be. And we got to give him our own, our whole heart. And as we know, and as we've talked about before, this is a growing process with the Lord. It's like if you're a new Christian and you just came to know the Lord like a couple of days ago, then it is a growing process. But what I'm saying is, is that it probably needs to grow a little bit faster. And I'm saying, you know, I'm not forcing anyone to do anything, pray and seek the Lord. But it's just the times that we're living in. You know, we don't have as much of a, a growth period as we used to. You know, not like 50 or 60 years ago when it's just like we weren't going through all these trials and tribulations that we are going in today. But their heart was divided. But I'm also speaking to people that have known the truth for years now. And your heart is still divided. Man, it's like we it's time for us to get serious for the Lord and stop playing around and stop playing, you know, having these little soft soap messages that have kept us in la la land for so many years. It's time to break free out of that junk. It's trying to time to break free out of that garbage. And I'm not trying to talk hard to anybody. It's tough love sometimes because it's like, here's the deal. If we cannot trust, and I'm speaking to myself when I say this, all right? But if we can't trust Jesus Christ in the little things that we're going through right now and the little financial situations that we're going through right now, and I'm not downplaying anyone's situation. Trust me, I'm not. I was in financial hardship for many years until I gave it all to the Lord. But if we cannot trust the Lord in the in the times that we are going through now, in the situations that we are going through now, how are we expected to trust the Lord when it comes down to take the mark of the beast or this person is killed? How are we going to trust him then if we're not willing to do it now? Come on, let's ask ourselves that personal question in our own lives. 
are we willing to do it now or or is it just oh i'll be strong enough then i know i'll be strong enough then i i know i'll be courageous then but what about being courageous now and i believe the lord's allowing this to happen to show us all about ourselves he truly is you know and i'm praying for people going through situations in their life right now i am praying for them i love them and i care for them and i want to see them get a victory in jesus christ but you know what it comes down to are we going to trust the Lord or not? Because right here, Israel is divided. You know, this was God's people. We know this. We know that Israel was God's chosen people. But what was Israel always doing? They were always going after some other God. They could never settle it in their heart who they truly wanted to serve. They had God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God that made heaven and earth, the God that created them or, or delivered them out of the hand of Egypt. The God that parted the Red Sea for them, the God that even though through the wilderness, he was with these people for 40 years, probably over, what, 600 years total of disobedience, you know, always having to go into another nation so they would not be destroyed. Some of their captivity was actually to save their own life. It was so they could get back on track with God and they would not go after this way or go after that way. But these people's heart was always divided. And that's why when it came down to it, when God made the decision to destroy them and make them a byword, he didn't do it lightly. He had 600 years of evidence to back up what he was doing. Not to mention he's righteous in any decision that he makes in the first place. But what about us? What about us who believe on Jesus Christ? What about us who know that God, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins? And he didn't just die some simple little death either. You know, if we actually read about what he went through, it was a very grueling death that he went through. You know, his back was exposed. His muscles, his ligaments were actually exposed from the from the whipping that he took. You know, when he was on the cross and he wanted to get a breath, he had to actually pull himself up, which means he had to scrape his open wounds, his open, you know, muscles and everything on the cross. He had to scrape his body to do that. All his muscles and joints were out of place due to being jolted when they put the, the cross down into the hole. And they didn't just put a tiny little crown of thorns on his head when they did so. They crushed it onto his head. And yet we're, we're acting like God isn't fair. We're acting like that, you know, why would God allow this to happen? Why would God allow that to happen? I can't go through this situation. I can't do this and I can't do that because woe is me. Well, what about how unfair it was that Jesus Christ, who never did anything wrong, comes down to this earth and he had no comeliness about him when he was down here. So, you know, he wasn't handsome to look upon, came down on this earth, took on our flesh. He didn't just take our cross. He took our cross from us. What we should have endured on that cross, he took from us. And then he got on the cross that we were supposed to get on. He took the beating that we were supposed to take. And he took his flesh and our flesh and he nailed it to the cross. And we are to do the same thing. But we want to sit there and say, well, you know, God, Jesus Christ was he was God. And so, you know, he had all this and he had all that going for him. And, you know, he could have done this and he could have done that. Yeah, he was 100 percent God. And he was 100 percent man. It talks about what he had to endure in that flesh. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the prayer that he prayed, 
you know, Father, take this cup from me. His flesh did not want to die. Let's understand that. His flesh did not want to get on that cross, but he nailed it to the cross anyways. He fasted for 40 days and the devil came and tempted him. The devil still, he didn't appeal to God in him. He appealed to the flesh in Jesus Christ. And what happened? Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou will worship God and him only wilt thou serve. But the devil tried to get Jesus Christ halt between two opinions and Jesus didn't do it. He could not do it because if he had done so, he would not have been able to go to the cross for our sins. He had to stay pure and holy and righteous to do so. And if we want to nail our cross, our sins to the cross, guess what? We're going to have to be the same way. We're going to have to be pure. We're going to have to be holy in all in every situation, even in losing our own life for Jesus Christ. What wasn't fair is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for a wretched and dying world that did not know who he was. We have got to get it out of our minds that God is not fair. He has been more than fair to us. He's been more than fair to me in the fact that he did not allow us to die in our own sins. He did not allow us to die when he could have. All right. Oh. All right, let's continue on. Let's look at verse three here because we're going to see here in verse three, because of how divided Israel was and what they were doing, we're going to look at all the hardships, hardships they had to endure because of it. Verse three, for now they shall say, we have no king because we feared not the Lord. What then shall a king do to us? They have spoken words, swearing falsely in making a covenant. Thus judgment springing up as hemlock as hemlock in the pharaohs of the field the inhabitants of samaria shall fear because of the calves of beth haven for the people thereof shall mourn over it and the priests thereof that rejoiced on it for the glory thereof because it is departed from it it shall also be carried unto assyria for a present to king jerob Ephraim shall receive shame, and Israel shall be ashamed of his own counsel. For as Samaria, their king is cut off as the foam upon the water. The high places shall of, also of Avan, the sin of Israel, shall be destroyed. The thorn and the thistle shall come up on their altar, and they shall say to the mountains, cover us, and to the hills, fall on us. So as we're seeing here, because Israel could not make a decision on what, on who they were going to follow. Now all this is starting to come upon them. You know, everything that they were had going well and the Lord's protection and everything like that is now being taken away. And not only that, but now they are ashamed. They are ashamed of the fact that they are having these graven images in their places and they were not able, you know, they could not or would not, I should say, follow after the one true God. And on top of that, they are so ashamed. They want the mountains to cover them and fall on them. Cover us, you know, that, you know, our sin is not exposed. Cover us that, you know, we are not found in condemnation and everything. So <clears throat> if we take this in our own lives, you know, how much trouble ends up following us when we don't trust in the Lord with everything? How much trouble can we avoid in our own walks, in our own life, if we would just give our life over to Jesus Christ? I mean, if we think about it and, hey, I, I've had this struggle. 
So I'm not just saying this to you guys, and I have not had this own struggle in my life. I have. I battled with financial hardship for, I don't know, it's been at least 15, 16 years, and I haven't been saved that long. I battled with it before I got saved, and I battled with it after I got saved as well. Why? Because that was a part of my life I had a hard time letting go of and giving to the Lord. You know, I wanted to dictate my own finances. I wanted to spend here and I wanted to do this here. Now, if the Lord told me to give to somebody, would I do it? Yes. But part of me didn't want to. I'm being completely honest with you guys to let you know that this has happened. I'm not just sitting here saying this to you guys and I haven't battled with this in my own life. Yes, I have. But it came down to a decision because my finances had become an idol to me. And it came down to a decision where I had to make. It's like, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you whether I have it or whether I don't have it because you have always provided for my every need. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes prayers like that, that is a scary prayer to pray. If you you pray in your heart, Lord, I'm going to trust you with my whole heart. I'm going to follow you wherever you call me to go. I'm going to do whatever you call me to do. And I don't care where it's going to take me. I'm just going to go. I'm going to do it wherever you're calling me to go. That can be a scary prayer to pray. And I'm telling you what, if you don't mean it, I wouldn't suggest that you pray it unless you mean it 100 percent with your whole heart that that is what you plan on doing. Do not pray that. Why? Because the Lord's going to expose you. (laughs) You know, he, he may have a little bit of humor with it, but he will show you. You don't really mean that, do you? So when you get serious about the prayer, come back and we'll try it again. But I've known people that have actually prayed that and they weren't serious about it. And because of it, their walk with the Lord actually faltered. Their walk with the Lord actually went south for a while. It wasn't God. He wasn't being mean to them. But in their own hearts, they did not truly mean it. They did not truly believe and actually know what they were saying within within their hearts because they wanted to put conditions upon what the Lord had called them to do. And he exposed them. Maybe it was in private. Maybe it was in front of others, but it was an expository. You know, he showed them. He showed them you do not actually mean what you are saying. And, you know, he had to let them go through a little bit of a hardship for them to truly understand. If you are serious about your walk with me and you will seriously say, Lord, this is where I go. If you call me to go, if you're actually serious about it, then, hey, he'll take you. He will take you wherever, you know, he wants you to go. But if you're not serious about that, don't pray that prayer. Pray that prayer when you're 100% on fire for God and this is what you truly mean in your heart. Because I'm telling you right now, it may actually hurt your walk with the Lord instead of make it greater because it's not truly in your heart to serve the Lord. And the thing is that we can't put the cart before the horse in our Christian walk. We have to be honest about where we are in our walk with the Lord. We can't be over here and we're still over here. You know, we have to recognize where we are and say, Lord, I want to grow with you. I want you to take me to this level. I want you to take me to another place with you. But this is where I truly am. Work on me where I am so I can be there. But if we're constantly lying to ourselves or we're letting the devil lie to us and saying, oh, yeah, you're really over here. And this is where you truly are without having to go through the process of getting there. Then, man. We're in, we're going to really hurt our walk with the Lord because we're trying to get ahead of what he has planned for us. And we, we get impatient. We're not willing to wait for what the Lord has called for us or has planned for us. Okay. All right. Uh, verse nine. O Israel, thou hast sinned from the days of Gibeah 
And there they stood. The battle in Gibeah against the children of iniquity did not overtake them. It is in thy desire that I should chastise them. Oh, excuse me. It is in my desire that I should chastise them. And the people shall be gathered against them. Then, I mean, when they shall bind themselves in their two furrows. And Ephraim is as an heifer that is taught and loved to and loved to tread out the corn. But I passed over upon her fair neck. And I will make Ephraim to ride. Judah shall plow and Jacob shall break with cloths. Sow to yourselves in your righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Ye have plowed wickedness. Ye have reaped iniquity. Ye have eaten the fruit of lies because thou didst trust in thy way. In the multitude of thy mighty men. Therefore shall a tumult arise among thy people, and all thy fortresses shall be spoiled. In Shalman, as Shalman spoiled Beth Betharbel in the day of battle, the mother was dashed in pieces upon her children. So, so shall Bethel do unto you because of your great wickedness. In a morning shall the king of Israel utterly be cut off. So you see all the trouble that Israel and Judah and everyone in Ephraim had to go through because they would not trust in the Lord. Basically, it was saying that Judah and Ephraim in Israel, they were going to be as like having to plow their own land. They were going to have to endure, endure the hardship of the wickedness that they had sowed. And now they were going to have to reap. How many of us does that happen to us? When we simply do not give it over to the Lord, we have, let's say we have a problem that arises. Excuse me. Let's say we have a problem that arises in our life and we start praying about it. We're praying about it. We're fasting and we're doing everything and we're crying unto the Lord. But the Lord wants us to wait. You ever notice that how patience, how trying our patience can get in a, in a situation because you know, the time's coming closer and closer and closer to a situation that has to be answered. And man, we just start getting antsy. You know, we just start like, oh, you know, what am I going to do and everything like that? And we start getting nervous and we start getting scared and we don't feel like we're hearing from the Lord. So we get impatient and we get impatient. And the devil, on top of that, he starts coming our way and he starts saying stuff to us like, man, you know, it's due. You know, this rent is due. You know, this car payment is due. You know, this bill is due. You only got two days to pay it. Things are coming up. You know, what are you going to do? Blah, blah, blah. And he's, you know, frustrating in your ear and everything like that. And we just start getting real nervous. You ever got that nervous feeling in your stomach? Like, oh, Lord God, what am I going to do? Because it's like it's getting closer and closer and closer. And we had one day. The Lord was going to deliver us. We had one day. And on that day. He was going to pay the bill off. But what happens? Just like King Saul, you know, when it came up to the battle, Solomon told him to wait, or excuse me, Samuel told him to wait nine days, I believe it was. Fast before the 10 days, he told him to wait. And on the ninth day, yeah, seven, about seven days, Samuel told him to go and to, to, to seek the Lord and to pray before the Lord. And what happened? Saul got impatient. He could not wait that seventh day. He could not wait and call upon the Lord. 
And because of that, the children of Israel were not delivered in that situation. You know, and how many times with us is the same thing happen? We're coming down to the nitty gritty, but we don't trust in the Lord in every situation, everything that the Lord's calling us to do. He's getting ready to pay off that bill on that day. He's got the time. He's got the hour. He's got the person ready to send the check to pay off the bill. I mean, this person has been praying for us. They've been intercessing with us. And the Lord's told them, here, send them that money. And we're they're getting ready to do it. They're heading down to the, the you know, the, the mailbox. Or they're heading down to the UPR, excuse me. Uh, what's that wireless money? Yeah, yeah they're heading. Yeah, Western Union. Thank you. They're heading down that, whatever they're getting ready to do. And what happens? We try and we go and do it in our own our own situation. We didn't really have the money to spend it. And, and we were calling upon the Lord. We couldn't really do it. And we decided to go and do it in our own way. And the Lord tells that person, stop, turn around and go back inside. Because I got to deal with this person now in this situation. And because we got impatient and trust me, I have been here to know what I'm talking about. I've been impatient in that manner too. And what happened is I didn't have the money in my account and I ended up going in debt and blah, blah, blah. And the Lord told me, if you had just waited, I was getting ready to send it to you. But now you're going to have to bear the burden of not having basically scraping by right now because you just not would wait on me. You would not follow me. You would not give me your everything. And the children of Israel, the same thing is happening here. They had to bear the burdens of their wickedness simply because they would not trust in the Lord. And I don't want to see that happen to any one believer today, but it's got to become that serious to us that in our lives, we're going to trust the Lord, even when it comes down to the last hour, the last minute, whatever it takes, trust the Lord. Okay, with that, let's go to Zephaniah chapter one and verse one. Zephaniah one and one. You know, and I love everyone who's on here today. I have really gained a lot of brothers and sisters in the Lord. And it's just awesome to be able to pray and to know that I have other brothers and sisters out there who are praying for me and we're praying for each other, whether it's corporate or it's individual. And we're seeing, you know, prayers answered like a lot faster because we're getting rid of idols and stuff like that. But what I don't want to see is people fall by the wayside because we have not fully given our whole life over to the Lord because of how bad it's getting ready to get in our in in just in our society and everything else like that. I don't want to see people fall by the wayside. But you know it's like in our own lives it's like we can't hold each other's hand when it comes down to that. We got to know the Lord for ourselves. We got to be honest with ourselves in our walk with the Lord. Do we trust him? You know, and this is for me as well. You know, the Lord speaks to me on this as well. Do I trust the Lord? Am I just saying it or do I believe it? So I don't want to see anyone fall by the wayside. And it's like, man, I would rather heed the warning and give the warning. And if things don't get really as bad as they could, then praise the Lord. But if it does get as bad as they're saying it's going to get, we're not caught off guard with it. We're not blindsided but by anything that's going to happen. And we trust Jesus. 
All right, Zephaniah chapter 1 and verse 1. The word of the Lord, which came unto Zephaniah, the son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliel, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the fowls of the, of heaven, of the heaven, and the fish of the sea, and the stumbling blocks which, with the wicked. And I will cut off man from off the land, saith the Lord. I will also stretch out mine hand upon Judah and upon the inhabitations of Jerusalem. And I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place. And the name of the Chimeriums with the priests. And them that worship the host of heaven upon the housetops. And them that worship and that swear by the Lord and that swear by Malcolm. Or yeah, Malcolm or Milcom. And them that turn back from the Lord, and them that are turned back from the Lord, and those that have not sought the Lord, nor inquired him. So the Lord, he's telling Zephaniah here to go and prophesy into Judah, saying that the Lord was getting ready to cut off their land. He's getting ready to cut off the stumbling blocks. He's getting ready to cut off all the the, the different gods that, you know, the people have been serving. And even the people, because why? Here they are, they're trying to serve or worship the host of heaven. They're trying to worship other gods and they're trying to worship the Lord as well in their own lives. They can't decide who they want to follow. I mean, come on, if we look at the churches today, you got the Baskin Robin 31 flavors of church today. You know, it's like you got a you got a sermon for everything today. You want to be a homosexual and you don't want to be convicted of the 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 blasphemous life you're living in, you can go to a church over here and they won't preach against it. You want to live an adulterous lifestyle because you, you love that person even though they're married to someone else, you can go to this church over here and they're not going to you know, condemn you of it. Whatever sin you want to live in, there is a church out there that won't condemn you of that sin. Now, I'm not saying it's right and I'm not saying go to that church. I'm saying this is what it has come down to. You know, Leonard Ravenhill said in one of his messages one time, and it's like, hey, if you want to know someone, one of the pastors that was on fire for Jesus Christ, listen to Leonard Ravenhill. Doesn't matter which one you listen to. They were all inspired by the Lord Jesus Christ. But one thing he said, and I believe it to be true, is the church is not going to be condemned for the sins of America. America is going to be judged by the sins. Of the church. He said, We're the unbelievers. And I believe that to be true. I believe that America is not just going to be judged for its blasphemous sin that it has committed. I believe that it's going to be judged because the church has fallen asleep. Because we can't get our minds wrapped around the fact that we're going to have to go through trials and tribulations before Jesus comes back. We can't get our minds wrapped around that because we've been brainwashed and we've been duped into believing some cowardice pre-tribulation rapture. And that's exactly what it is. I'm going to call it what it is. It is cowardly to believe in that. If you believe in that, it is cowardly. 
All right. You don't have to like me for what I'm saying here, but it is cowardly. And why is it cowardly? Why, why, why would I call it that? Because you're expecting other people to go through, but you don't want to go through. You're hoping to get out of here before all this stuff happens, before things get really bad. That means that is being a coward. Because the Lord wants his people to go through. If the disciples had to go through, if the prophets had to go through, if the men of old who brought us the scriptures that we have today had to go through persecution to show that they believed in Jesus Christ, then who are we to say we're going to get off scot-free? We should want to go. I'm not saying that persecution is going to be something. Obviously, it's not going to be enjoyable. It's going to be painful, extremely painful, excruciatingly painful. But for us to go through this, other people will be saved. And that not that what we want? Don't we want to see people get saved, even if it costs us our own life to do so? Isn't that why Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sin? His death would bring about our life, our salvation. Yes, we are to die to self and we are to die to the world. And yes, we are a dead man walking. But through his death, he gave us life, but not life. In the physical sense, life in the spiritual sense. So we would reign with him in glory and in majesty. But if we're afraid to endure trials and tribulations, if we're afraid to go through all of that, then we got fear. In our hearts, we got fear to go through. And what does the scripture say in Revelation? The first two that will not enter into the kingdom of heaven are the fearful and the unbelieving. Now, why are those two together? I, I think that the fearful and the unbelieving are together for this reason. Because if you're fearful, if you're fearful to go through persecution as a Christian, if you're fearful to go through, then that means you're going to have a spirit of unbelief as to what the Word of God actually says in His Word about what we are going to endure. So that's fear, and then that fear is going to bring in unbelief. So we better get it out of our heads that we're going to be raptured out of here, which is not scripturally based anyways, before the persecution comes. The Bible says we're going to have to go through before his return. Not to mention, let's say there was a pre-tribulation rapture. How do we know we're accounted worthy to be a part of those people getting taken out anyways? What life would we live for Jesus Christ to say, okay, yeah, you come too, and you come too, and yeah, yeah, you come, you come. What makes us think that we're going to be on that anyways? Do you see how confusing it is? You see how confusing it is to try and believe that instead of actually believing what the scripture says and, and nailing it down in our own lives. And say, all right, we're going to have to go through. We're here trying to say, oh, Lord, get me out of here. Get me out of here before all this happens. Get me out of here. That's cowardice. You know, if that didn't happen for the patriarch, patriarchs of old, why are we thinking that's going to happen to us? You know? All right. Verse 7. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice, he hath bid his guests. And it shall come to pass in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children, and all and all shall such as are clothed with strange apparel. So I was like, man, we, we've really got to nail it down within our hearts. We have really got to have it within us. Who are we going to serve? We've got to get that straight in our own lives because we don't know what's happening from one day to the next. 
We really don't. All right. From here, let's go to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. Matthew 6 and verse 19. Lay up not for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. <clears throat> but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Now I want to look at verse 19 because I know we've gone over these scriptures, you know, a lot. But let's look at what it says here when it says, lay up not for your treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. If we think about it in our, own, in our own lives, how many treasures do we actually have on this earth that are collecting dust? That our heart is actually, you know, still tied to. Things that we still have a problem letting go of, even though they're idols. And they don't have any real value in our Christian walk in the first place. How many of those things are we still holding on to? And it's like the Lord's telling us to get rid of them, but we have still such a hard time. That is where our treasure is. And yeah, we're going to get to that verse here in a second. But if we have a hard time getting rid of anything in our in our house or in our apartment or wherever we live, if we've got a hard time getting rid of all of those things that, that are hindering, that may have a soul tied to it and that are hindering our Christian walk, then our hearts are not truly knit to the Lord. And we still, you know, there's still some work that needs to be done. And I'm telling us, we need to really cry and pray out to the Lord that we are able to get rid of those things because they're collecting dust anyways. You know, someone could break into your house and steal it. And then what would you, how would you feel about it? If someone, let's be, let's be real about this because this verse speaks so much. If a thief broke into your house and stole something that was of no spiritual value whatsoever, how would we actually feel about that? Will we get mad? Will we get upset? The Lord's been trying to tell us to get rid of it for years, and a thief does what you know we should have done. Will we get mad or get upset over the fact that the thief stole something that the Lord's been telling you, I want you to get rid of? If so, that means that we still have a soul tied to that. Whatever it is, we're still holding value to it, and we still treasure it more than we treasure our walk with the Lord. Verse um, 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So it's something we've really got to be honest with ourselves about. Where is our treasure? Is it in heaven? Are we trying to, to gain heavenly treasure with the Lord by a greater walk with him? Or we still got value and stuff down here on the earth that's got more importance. Verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? So Now some people may ask, let's look at this again. If thy whole body shall be full of darkness, if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness. Well, how can the light that we have be darkness? Well, if we look at it in corresponding to 2 Corinthians 11, verses 24 and 25, Satan transformed himself into an angel of light. So could that light that we have in us be the light of Jesus Christ? 
or could it be the light of Satan? Because if it is the light of Satan, it's going to bring in utter darkness into our life. If we follow after a false religion, if we follow after a false gospel, if we're following after things that are not of what the scriptures actually says, then we're following after the light or more or less darkness of Satan because he's transformed into an angel of light. We know that when the spirit of Antichrist, well, the spirit of Antichrist is already here. But when the Antichrist comes himself, and this is how smooth this fellow is going to be. Because when the Antichrist does come, he's, everyone's going to like him. We don't know who he is yet. Because if, we, if everyone knew who he was, we could have our own personal judgments towards that person. So we don't know who he is yet. But this individual, whoever they are, they're going to come in. And they're going to be a patriarch, or uh, not a patriarch, but a, a, they're going to be patriot. Patriot as in like patriotic. Thank you. They're going to be patriotic. They're going to love everyone's religion. And they're going to be very, very convincing about this too. So they're going to love Christians. They're going to love Muslims. They're going to love homosexuals. They're going to love uh, Hindus. They're going to love everybody. Okay. And the first two should be given away that they're Antichrist. Number three is that they're going to overtake the government in some way. How they're, however they're going to do it, I don't know. But that's what they're going to be able to do. And they're going to say, oh, I love Jesus or I love, you know, the wrong Jesus as it is. And we have to know what the scripture says about who, what Jesus we're following. So they're going to come in. But they're going to have total light and darkness at the same time. And why is that? Because they're going to have Satan's light, his false light, and not the light of Jesus Christ. So we have to know who we are following. Because as it says here in the scriptures, if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? So we have to know. Which Jesus Christ we're following, the true Jesus Christ or the false one, the spirit of Antichrist. Are we following the truth of the scriptures, the gospel, as it says here, is this what we're following full-heartedly and not some false doctrine? And are we living a sold-out life for Jesus Christ? Because if we are not, then that light that we think that we are following is going to turn into utter darkness. All right, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he shall hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. I know we've talked about these verses, I don't know how many times, but we got to think about it. We have got to be really true within ourselves. Who are we actually following? What? Who is our God? Let's ask ourselves that question. Who actually is our God? Is it Jesus Christ? Or is it money? Is it your spouse? Is it your children? Is it your job? Is it your vehicle? Who is our God that we are actually following? Because it says here, you know, you can't serve two gods. You can't have two masters. So we got to know within ourselves, who are we actually serving? All right, let's go to John 12 and verse 20. John 12 and verse 20.
All right, John 12 and verse 20. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came before, therefore to Philip, which was of Bethesda of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and tells Andrew, and Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. Where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. So as we know here, what is Jesus saying? He's saying it's time for the Son of Man to be glorified. It was getting ready for him to go through and, you know, go through his trials and eventually come to the cross. And what it says here about the wheat of corn is this, is that the wheat of corn, if it abideth alone, you know, and if it doesn't die, then nothing will happen. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And that's what the Lord is telling us in our own life is that, hey, you know, if we want to follow 100% after Jesus Christ, then this is what's going to have to happen. We have got to be just like Jesus Christ. We have got to be like that wheat of corn to bear much fruit. But is that something that we are willing to do? Is that something that we actually desire in our own life to do? Let's let's go back a minute. Hold where you are because I want to look at something here. Real quick. Matthew 10. Because I want us to just look at this real quick. When it comes to, you know, how it's going to look when we, uh, how it's going to look to some people when we're following after Jesus Christ. And we know what this says, but this, let's just read this real quick. All right, verse uh, 35. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Now, y'all notice here, when it comes to our own life, he didn't put that at the beginning of the story. Y'all notice that, right? He put it at the end. He, he went down the list of who you got to hate. And then it just, it comes down at the very end. It comes down to our own life. And why is that? Well, let's look at it from this way. Some people may not be close to their family. Some people may not hate them exactly, but maybe they're, you know, distant and they've just had a bad relationship with their their parents or their siblings and and maybe they've been able to forgive, but there's just still some distance there. So you can read this and say, yeah, there's no problem because I'm not really close to my family. But what really hits home is when it comes to our own life. And I believe that that's why that was at the end of it. Had that been in the beginning of it, we probably would have been like, 
close the book. Oh, I can't do that. No, it was to draw us in as well. And I'm not saying that the Lord is trying to, you know, uh, seduce us or anything like that or trying to do anything strange. But what it draws in is, is that it goes down a list. It goes down a list of our family. And if we can get past our, yeah, you know, I'm going to preach the gospel no matter what. I don't care what my family thinks about it. But when it comes to our own life, oh, wait a minute. Wait a whole, pump the brakes a sec. Now you're really hitting a spot. Our own life. I got to hate me. I got to hate my desires. I got to hate my goals. I got to hate everything that I wanted to accomplish and do in this life. You mean I got to hate all of that to follow after Jesus? Somebody I ain't even never met? You mean I got to go through all of that? You see what it does? You see what it does if you look at it from that perspective? Are we truly honest? Because I tell you what, when it comes down to us reading those scriptures, and don't ever skip over the scriptures where it says you got to hate your own life. No, read them. Read them again and again and again until it sinks in. Yes. The answer to that is yes. If we truly want to follow after Jesus Christ, everything that we had planned has got a back burner, back seat, take a hike. Now, am I saying that Jesus won't allow some of these things to happen? Well, in the times that we're living in, I don't know. <laughs> but the thing is, is that we, every desire that we have, we got to line it up and match it up with the desires that Jesus wants for our life. What does he desire? If we truly want to follow after him, everything that we wanted to do in this life, it has got to line up with what he wants for our life. And some of those desires just very well might fall in line, but it comes down to the fact that Jesus Christ is the most important individual in our life. And what we wanted to do now no longer matters. Whether you wanted to have a career no longer matters. Whether you wanted to get married and have children, no longer matters. It's what the Lord wants us to do. And that's why it hits home to so many individuals when it comes down to our own life. We can you know, basically deal without the other. But when it comes to us, that's when the battle truly begins. All right. Verse 27. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. For this. But for this cause, come I unto this hour. See what I was saying earlier? Even Jesus Christ had to deal with his flesh before he got on the cross. Verse 28, Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it and said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from earth, from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying the death he should die. The people answered him, we have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Now you see how they're coming at it from a carnal perspective. Now they're going back to the law saying, well, the law said that the Son of Man will abide forever. 
They don't understand what he's getting ready to do on the cross and what that forever means. Because now they're questioning is, well, who is the son of man? Because according to what you're saying, Jesus, and according to what the law says, it doesn't line up because they had a carnal sense of what the law was actually saying and what Jesus Christ meant. He meant that he would reign forever in glory and in majesty in heaven with the Father. But they were thinking that Jesus was going to abide forever on the earth. That was their carnal thinking. And it can be our carnal thinking as well. How many people, if we could truly be honest, don't want the earth to end? How many people, if we could truly be honest, saying, well, we don't want all this bad stuff to happen because you still got a pony in the race. You still got things you want to do in this life. So you can't match it up. You can't match up what you believe Jesus is going to do through you as to what the scripture says. And that was what their problem was. Verse 35. Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not where he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye might be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Esaias the prophet might be fulfilled, which he had spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardeneth their hearts that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts and be converted and that I should heal them. These things said Isaiah Isaiah, when when he saw his glory and spake these things. So who is this that is blinding? Who is this individual that is blinding their eyes? Who is this individual that is stopping up their ears? You know, even though all these people saw the miracles that Jesus did, They saw everything, healed the sick, raised the dead, all these miracles, you know, uh, caused the lame to walk again. And you still had people that would not believe. Who is this individual that is causing these people, even though they see the truth, is causing these individuals to stay blind? And that is Satan. That is Satan. And you know what? Satan is blinding so many hearts today. Even though we have the gospel right here in front of us, we have the truth of what Jesus Christ says right here. And we know the truth. We know what the gospel says. And we may believe some of it, but we don't believe all of it. And why is that? Because the devil is still allowed to get a foothold in our lives. He has still allowed your your ears to be stopped up on certain things. He's still allowed your eyes to be stopped up or blinded on certain things because we have not given Jesus Christ our whole heart. And I'm telling everyone, it's going to come down to it. It's going to come down to a decision that we have to make. It doesn't say that those that fall away are Christians or non-Christians. It just says, and there will be a great falling away. So we have to know within ourselves that we will not be those that fall away. But what what is it going to take? It's going to take us stop to stop believing in false religion. It's going to take us to stop believing everything that the government's telling us every five minutes. 
and what the media says every five minutes. It's going to take us stop backing down and start standing up for the gospel. That's what it's going to take. Verse 42. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also, many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be kicked or put out of their synagogues. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. You see this here? You had some people that believed on Jesus Christ. They believed what he said, but because of what? But because of the Pharisees, but because of the government, but because of what my friends will think about me, but because of what well, all these other churches are closing down. And I don't want to be looked at as the, the bad guy. I don't want to be looked at as the person that's not, you know, following the rules and regulations that are setting out before us. I got to keep my mouth shut. Why is that? Because these individuals, they love the praise of man more than following after Jesus Christ. If we don't think that's going to happen to us, I'm telling you, if we don't think that's going to happen to us, the only way it's not is that we're truly following after Jesus Christ. Because if if we aren't, if we're not following, we've got a spirit of compromise. And the Bible study, Derek did a, a study on a, a spirit of compromise a while back. And we can't have that spirit in us. Why? Because it halts us between two opinions. You know, some people say, I'll, I'll never take the mark of the beast. I hate to say it, but you already have through a spirit of compromise. It's a nature. It's not just some mark that you're going to take in your hand. When we're talking about you're going to have the nature of the beast before you take that mark, that, that nature is, is a spirit of compromise. You've already done it through putting all so many things in front of Jesus Christ in your walk. And that's why you will take it, because he's not been rule and reign of your whole life and everything that you have. All right, from here, let's go to Galatians 1 and verse 1. <clears throat> Galatians 1 and verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me, unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. So Jesus Christ, he came to deliver us from this present evil world. <clears throat> when he gave himself on the cross for our sins, that's what it was for. Yes, it was for the remissions of sin. Yes, it was so we would come out of this, you know, filthy lifestyle that we are living in and to come to know Jesus Christ. But it was also to deliver us from this evil world. Verse 5, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you 
and would pervert the gospel of Christ. So what he's saying here, it's not another gospel. It's the gospel that we have in front of us. But what are they trying to do? They're trying to water it down. They're trying to pervert it. They're trying to cause strife. They're trying to cause envy. They're trying to get us to question in our own minds that Jesus Christ really mean it the way it actually says it. And that's why earlier when I was talking about the different Bible versions, you know, for me, I read the King James Bible. I'm not condemning anyone for reading another version. I'm just saying do your own study on all the versions. Compare them side by side. But there are some versions that do pervert the gospel, that do pervert actually what Jesus Christ did say. And so that's where the strife comes in. Well, if your Bible says this and my Bible says this, how can we know what's true and not true? You see where that brings in uh, strife? You see where that brings in uh, confusion on every side? You see where that does that? So it's like it's another gospel because my gospel and what I believe that this word actually says may not go according to another gospel that someone else says. And so that's how the devil is trying to get in with another gospel. Verse 8. But though we or an angel from heaven preach another gospel unto you than what we and than what which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so I now say again, if any man preach another gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade man or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I seek, for if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. So this is so important. Paul said it more than once. He wants us to really to know for sure who are we trying to persuade and who are we trying to please. And if another person comes in with another gospel, are we going to receive them and just say, okay, well, let me take a look at, you know, what your gospel says and everything like that. And let me read it for myself. Let me let me read it and let me see what your Bible says. And I'm going to do my own research on it. And I'm going to, you know, line it up with what my gospel says. And I'm going to pray about it. And I'm going to seek the Lord on what you're bringing before me. Because I'm telling you what, if we don't do that, and if we're just taking it at face value, and it says on it, okay, this is what it says, and I'm going to use it right with, what this Bible says, if we're not seeking the Lord on these matters, that we can be taken away. And Paul's, Paul's preaching here, I don't want that to happen to you guys. These people are accursed because they're bringing in damnable heresies amongst the people. And that's what's happening today. We're not believing the scriptures when it says, he that endures unto the end, the same shall be saved. Endure to the end of what? You get what I'm saying? We're so easy to submit those verses. We don't want to believe those verses. We don't want to believe that we're going to have to go through. All we want to hear is Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. That's all we want to hear. And it's sad that that's all we want to hear. Yes, Jesus loves us. But what kind of love? Is it a true love? Is, is it a, a sometimes a hard love? Is it sometimes a tough love? Is it a love that tells us you're going to have to go through, but I'm here with you to the end? Is that the kind of love we want? It's a strong love. But all we want is sweet nothings whispered into our ears. 
And that's the false gospel that Paul's warning to the Galatians about. Why is it that you've received the true gospel and yet you're going after this nonsense over here? And that's why we've got to really, uh, I'm going to say it and I'm going to say it. We've really got to have it down within ourselves. Who do we believe? All right, we got two scriptures left and then I'm going to close out. Let's go to 2 John 1 verse 6. You know, as brothers and sisters, we encourage each other to stay strong in the Lord. And that's what this is. That's all that this is. I want to see the brothers and sisters not be led astray and not be taken away and not be taken astray. You know, and this goes for my own life, too. If y'all hear me talking about something that does not add up, hey, come to me on it saying, Sarah, I need to talk to you about this. Because I know y'all don't want to see me go astray. We don't want to see any brother or sister that we have in the Lord go astray. We don't, and that's why these messages are preached right now. All right, 2 John 1, verse 6. And this is love, that you walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye shall walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world, into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. So if he's warning us, many deceivers are coming to the world that confess not that Jesus Christ is coming to the flesh. Well, these deceivers aren't just the atheistic scientists. Yes, they're part of it, but it's not just them. It's the, the, the deceivers also, I believe he's talking about, are those that are in the pulpits every Sunday, well, live stream now, but it's the individuals who claim to know the gospel. Those are the deceivers as well. And why is it that those would be a greater deceiver? Because, I mean, if we're trying to get right with Jesus Christ and we're following after the gospel, what greater deception would Satan want to use than someone who claims to also know the gospel, but they're not confessing Jesus Christ as Lord? That is what's happening today. That is what's happening in the church today, guys. We're not seeing pastors preach anymore. You need to confess your sins and be made whole and be made over. You need to seek forgiveness from the Father and that he heal you and that he take away all strongholds. We're not seeing that in the church anymore. So the deceivers are in the pulpit. It's not just the scientists. Verse 8. Look to yourselves that we lose not the those things which we have wrought, but that we but that we receive a full reward. So Paul's saying here, look to yourselves. He doesn't want us to lose the things that you know we've gained in Jesus Christ. Verse 9. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any to you that bring not these this doctrine, receive him not to your house, neither bid him God's speed. He, for he that biddeth him God's speed is a partaker of his evil deeds. Amen to that. We live in such a soft, 
soaked Christianity today that we want to bid God's feet on everybody because we're so afraid of offending them. Hey, it's time that we start offending people. It's better that we offend them than they stand before Jesus Christ and be cast into the lake of fire, right? Wouldn't you think so? I do. And that's why he's saying here, don't even bid them God's feet if they bring you a false doctrine. Man, we got to preach them the gospel. If they don't want to receive it, that's on them. But we got to get out of this God's feet or God be with you, Tatiana. Bless you. God bless you and stuff like that. That's what it means. So we got to stop, you know, saying, oh, yeah, the Lord be with you and everything like that. If these people are living in sin and they're living in false doctrine, it's time, man, we got to start telling people this and we can't accept it. We can't have it in our own lives either. We got to know how to talk to people and tell them the life that they're living in is wrong, that they will come out of these false doctrines, so they not be taken astray in these last days. All right, last scripture of the night or of the day. Let's go to Revelations 14 and verse 6. Revelation 14 and verse 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred, kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and the worship and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the foundations of water. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations to drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed them saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark, in his forehead or in his hand. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture unto the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night. Who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark in of his name. So let's look at this again. Verse 11. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image. So you see, guys, this is why we're talking about and preaching about this. It's not just receiving a mark. You worship the beast, the beast, and you worship his image. What is his image? The image of the beast is anything that's not of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. It's a nature because it's also self-love. It is also self-worship. It's all about self. So the image that could be of the beast very well could be a very self-love of us. Maybe we're that image that we're that's worshiping after the beast and not following after Jesus Christ. Verse 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here is the patience of the saints. 
Here are they that keep the commandments of God and of the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. So it's saying right here, hey, blessed are they which died the death after the Lord, which are dead, which died in the Lord from henceforth. They are blessed. Those of them, those of us who are counted worthy to be martyrs for Jesus Christ, who continued on, who continued to follow after Jesus, no matter what, no matter even if it costs us our own life, guess what's going to happen? Not only are our names going to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life forever, but we're going to be counted blessed for it. So all the trials and all the tribulations, guys, that we are going through right now, we got to count it all worthy. We got to count it all worthy to follow after Jesus Christ. We got to count it all worthy that we're going to reign with him in majesty and in glory one day. But we've got to nail it down within ourselves. One more time, I'm going to say it. Who are we going to serve? Are we going to serve Jesus Christ, the one true God, the one that created heaven and earth, the one that died on the cross for our sins, the one that pulled us out? of the muck and the mire sinful life that we lived in. Let's think about it. How many times did God protect us from all the stupid decisions we made in our life and we should be dead today? Okay, give God all the praise and all the glory and all the honor for everything. That's right, Brother Derek Lamar. We got to count the cost. Amen. That's exactly what it's about. Are we counting the cost for full discipleship with Jesus Christ? Are we just saying, oh yeah, I believe him and I'll do whatever? No, he's right. We do got to count the cost. So I'm just praying, Lord, guys, that's, that's the lesson today. But I'm just praying we get it right with the Lord. Any idols that the Lord's telling us to get rid of, we get rid of. Anything that the Lord's calling us to do, we're going to go and we're going to do. So before I close, we got the two books that we want to uh, talk about here. One is The Organic Gospel by Pastor Gary Price and Sister Maisha Hunter. This is a good read. It's about, what, 127 pages. And it's a good read talking about how the gospel is organic, okay? And you can get this at um, www.theorganicgospel.com. And it's only $13.95. And it's Sister Naomi that has the study guide with it. Yeah. All right. So Sister Naomi has the study guide. Uh, she's also with Omega Ministries. I think she's teaching tonight. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. She's right. So, I think it's um, anybody knows. I think it's Naomi Henry. Naomi Henry, yeah. Yahoo.com or something like okay. that. Okay. Naomi Henry at Yahoo.com. Or email. I'm not, I'm not sure which one it is. Okay. Um, then the other book is And They Overcame, the second edition. Uh, this is by Coach P, Jeremiah Poja. And this is $7.99 on lulubooks.com. And uh, this book is compromised. It's comprised, excuse me. This book is not compromised. <laughs> it's comprised, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Coach P, of 11 personal handwritten testimonies of how real people entered into salvation and how Jesus Christ became a reality in their lives. Each account is different and distinct because every person on earth is faced with a different set of circumstances and living situations. 
even though all these Christians are coming from different backgrounds, they all have one thing in common. Jesus Christ has begun to save their souls and deliver them from the shackles and sin and devil. Amen. Amen and amen. That is so true. I've got this book as well. Our very own uh, Derek Hallett, his testimony is here, is in here and so many other testimonies. So get these two books, guys. And uh, that's the lesson tonight. I love you guys. I love you. I love you. And anyone listening in tonight, huh? Anyone who's listening in tonight, if you are not saved and no one knows this but you, you can receive Jesus Christ today in your life. And you can start walking a walk with him and he will start delivering you from the sinful life that you've been living in. But it is a call of repentance and asking the Lord to forgive you of your sins. So, Derek, will you close us out in prayer? My voice is going. Your voice is down. Yeah. One message in two months, your voice is down. I know, I'm a wimp. <laughs> I know. All right. Look like I'm praying this out tonight, guys. But that was a great message by, you know, Sister Sarah. But we always give the glory to the Lord because if we trust in him, God can meet every single need that we have. So let's just pray out. Heavenly Father, Lord, in Jesus name, we thank you, Lord, for this time of sharing. We thank you for the word of God that is able to save our souls. Right now, Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for being a father. We thank you for being a provider and a protector, Lord. We thank you for being a comforter. We thank you for being our Lord and Savior, Lord. We just thank you for everything that you do with us, Lord, for we could never fully pay you back for all that you have done except live an obedient life unto you that we might give you the glory. And I just thank you, Lord, for my brothers and sisters online, both near and far. I thank you, Lord, for all the edification that you have brought, Lord, through us in Omega Ministries and so many vessels and voices out there, obedient children and servants of the Lord. And I just ask that you strengthen every brother that listens to this message. And I ask, Lord, that you raise up every sister that has listened to this message. And I just ask for a special anointing upon their lives, Lord, that you may break the bands of sin, the shackles of sin and of the devil. Lord, I'm just asking, Lord God, in Jesus' name, fill us with your spirit for those who are lacking the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Let us seek after it, Lord. Let us truly desire it. Let us not strive, Lord, but to just be steadfast on what you want that your righteous will may be done in our lives. Let us shut off all distractions, all things that the enemy does to kill our spirits. Let us forsake the world, Lord, and link ourselves to you. For you said, Lord, that whomever we join ourselves to, we will become one with. And Lord, if we separate from the world and we come before you in all seriousness, we know, Lord, that you will keep every single promise that you have given unto us. So we just pray, Lord God, we thank you for Sister Tatiana, Lord, that her situation, Lord, was a great news today, Lord. We thank you for the brothers and sisters, Lord, that have come to you in prayer, desiring you, those who are broken, those who are hurt, those who are bound by sin, Lord. We just ask that you break those bands, that you break those shackles, that you take away every single thing, Lord, the spirits of fear, the spirits of doubt, spirits of hypocrisy, those of unbelief in Jesus' name, break the bands of the devil, that your people may go free, that they may serve you in all fervent desire, Lord. 
Lord, hot and on fire for you, courageous in the time that we need to be. So Lord, we just pray that all these things be done for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so that's gonna wrap it up for tonight. Tomorrow night's teaching, I will be teaching. You know, I thank you guys for praying over my neck. Yeah, I still have, you know, severe pain, but nothing's gonna keep us from getting this word out, you know? I mean, the Lord had a crown of thorns on his head. So what does that tell you, you know? We got a man up and woman up in this time and give it all over to the Lord. So tomorrow night's teaching um, is going to be um, at 5 p.m. Pacific time, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time. So hey, uh, Brother Seth, uh, thank you for being on. Uh, brother or Sister Mayhem, Sister Dawn, uh, Brother Derek, Brother uh, Derek L and Derek G, uh, Sister Tatiana. Let's see who else is on. Uh, Coach P, uh, Sister Julia, Brother Daryl, Brother Randy, Sister Tara. Uh, let's see who else. Sister Teresa, thank you for being on tonight. Uh, Brother Joseph, my niece Alicia, thank you for being on tonight. And uh, let's see who else is on. Uh, Sister Caitlin, thank you for coming on. Uh, Sister Melissa, thank you for being on tonight. Uh, let's see. I said Sister Julia. She's got two identities now. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, Sister Latoya and Sister Ebony and Brother Frederick. Thank you for being on tonight. So like I said, tomorrow night's teaching is going to be at 5 p.m. Pacific time, 10 p.m. Eastern time. But let's just give God the glory. Spend time with the Lord. Don't forsake your prayer closets, guys. This is a time to push in because I believe the Lord is about to answer every single prayer. And he already has. You know, even if the Lord never does another thing for you and I, he's still God and still worthy of all praises. So let us get on him and get full of him and believe on him no matter what things look like. And he's going to take us through that his righteous will may be done. So I just want to say with that, guys, I love you. I'll see you tomorrow night if you make it. And, uh, you know, just have a good evening. Thank you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.